You can be seated. Why? Why is the sky blue? Why are my eyes blue? Why is the Indianapolis Colts mascot a blue horse? Why is Pastor Damien so obsessed with the color blue and why is he still using the same joke four weeks later? I'm going to tell you next week. But you're going to have to come back next week to hear why. Why? Why is an incredibly useful question when examining what we believe and why we believe what we do and why we practice the things that we do in our faith. It fuels our passion in order to live out our, our faith in a vibrant life to the fullest way. We ask why because sometimes we get so caught up in the duty of practicing our faith that sometimes we begin to look at the things that we do through the lens of the statement because we're Christians and that's just what Christians do or don't do dependent on the circumstances. And while we have not and will not exhaust all of the why questions there are to ask, we do have two more questions to cover. I want to encourage you to ask yourself the question, why? Why do you practice faith the way that you do? Explore scripture to discover why you do what you do. What you may discover is there's some things that we've done historically that uh, were revered as sacred uh, practices of our faith that uh, the origins may surprise you. And for some, it may bolster your passion for why you do those things. This morning, I want to ask a bit of a more introspective why question. Why are you here? Why are you here? This isn't, I'm, I'm not meaning to ask this as a, like an existential question uh, about the meaning of life or some lofty self-examination of your life's purpose, but it's a, it's a simple question with, with some multiple layers uh, to it. Why are you here today at Eau Claire Wesleyan Church in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, United States, Earth? How did you arrive here at this time? Why is it you that is here right now, in this time, in this season? To bring it back into the realm of the questions that we've been asking over the past four weeks, simply put, why do we go to church? Before you became a Christian, and maybe, maybe this is a little bit outside of your experience, but, but I imagine for some of you, before you became a Christian, what was the one thing that you knew to be true about what Christians do? Christians go to church. You may not have known what happened when they, there, they were there, but you knew that in order to be a Christian, it meant that you went to a building on a specific day, you sang songs, heard a pastor talk about stuff that happened thousands of years ago, closed your eyes while they talked to someone in, in the room that you couldn't see, and then, if you were lucky, you left. And then for some strange reason, they would go back and do it all again the next week. We're going to go back into a piece of scripture that I covered... Uh, and glossed over last week uh, in last week's message, but, uh, but this time, 
This time we're gonna, we're gonna pick it apart a bit more in depth to get a little bit more context for this why question because it's a very, very important why question. We're gonna be reading in Acts chapter two, starting in verse 42 and going through verse 47. It's gonna be on the screen here or you can look in the Bible in the pew in front of you. But Acts chapter two, verse 42 through 47 says this. They devoted themselves, this is, this is the Jesus' followers, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued meeting together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Now, whenever we read scripture, we have to ask some context questions. What's going on in this, in this, uh, the, in this narrative to answer our whys? What's, what's happening here? Um, what did the author write? What, why did the author write uh, what he did? And, and, and why and who was intended? Who is this intended for? Who is the audience? Within this passage, uh, there, there are a few very significant events that just took place before we get to Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Biblical scholars believe that there's a span of time between about 40 and 50 days between Jesus' crucifixion, burial, resurrection, ascension, and the day of Pentecost. So within this span of a little over a month, the resurrected Jesus has spent time with his disciples and given them their way forward from here. In Acts chapter one, verses four and verse eight, we're gonna have this up on the screen here. It says, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the author, Luke, who is a scholar, a physician, working on this biblical account, he records that they did just as Jesus commanded. They remained in the city, but they prayed, eagerly expecting what Jesus promised to happen. And it did. God sent the Holy Spirit to them, igniting the spark which would change the world. Many people would come to faith in Jesus and join this growing movement known as the church. And this, and this is where we pick up in verse 42. Let's dive into our notes here. We have uh, one heading here this morning, so strap yourself in. Why are we here? Number one, why are we here? Now, before we can answer the why question, we have a dispute that has to be settled. Are we the church or do we go to church? 
Well, the answer to the question is yes. Yes, you are the church in the sense that you carry with you as a follower of Jesus Christ, you carry with you the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus wherever you go. You go in his authority as a partner with the Holy Spirit to live out lives of holiness in the day-to-day. The church is the tangible extension of Jesus' work in the world. This is why Paul would, would later write about us being like different body parts, being individual yet a part of something greater than ourselves. But we also go to or participate within a church community. We go to an agreed-upon location for the purpose, which we'll be talking about here in just a moment, but it might not fully look like what you think. When we talk about church, we're, we're, all, we're dealing with both a geographic location and an identity. We get our word church from the Greek word ekklesia, which literally translates into the phrase gathering of the summoned. We are the gathering of the summoned here in this place today. This word denotes that we're both gathered in this place, but from elsewhere, that we come together, but we also scatter. And when we do this, we do it for letter A, godly discourse. We do it for letter A, godly discourse. The very first reason that we're given for these people gathering together was to hear, to talk about, and to understand the apostles' teachings. They, these people went, uh, the, these people wanted to hear from the people who had walked side by side with Jesus and had heard the explanations of his parables and, and had participated in ministry with him in that day. And so when we gather together, it's, it's for a very similar reason. The difference, though, is that throughout the week, you have been walking with Jesus too. We gather to be challenged with and encouraged by pastors and teachers throughout God's word in order to spark godly conversation. We're, we're, we go to be admonished and encouraged. We're, we go to, to be challenged and convicted by the movement of the Holy Spirit through his word. And this happens in church buildings, on Sunday morning services, and in living rooms and connect group discipleship. This discourse happens through letter B, fellowship. Now, fellowship is kind of a funny word because unless you're J.R.R. Tolkien or a member of a church, we really don't use the word fellowship a whole lot. But used in the biblical context, fellowship denotes a close association and friendship, a commitment to one another in mutual care. One of the things that I've absolutely loved watching in, in each and every one of you is, is what happens when we come together, whether it's over a cup of coffee and, and some snacks. And, and I just want to, Bailey doesn't know that I'm going to do this here this morning, but uh, how many of you appreciate the hospitality before services, the time, the coffee and, and treats and stuff like that? Yeah. Uh, so uh, there are a lot of people that are uh, behind the scenes that are, are working to do that, that you don't often see them. Uh, doing that, but, uh, but they, they kind of help 
uh, in one facet of, of fellowship uh, through that. Because there's something that happens when we share meals together. There's something that's really, really beautiful in that moment of, of we're taking this thing together. We talked about this uh, in, when we talked about why we pray over food. You know, we're, we're engaging in this act here that will sustain us uh, for the rest of the day and recognizing uh, the sustenance that's to be found in, in not only fellowship with Christ, but fellowship with each other as well. But beyond the coffee and confectionery, there, there is, uh, there's a vibrant joy that I've been watching in each and every one of you. Because in this place, you've all come here and you've all made the choice to participate in loving, growing relationships with one another and your generous care for one another as well. I gotta tell you, the, the last couple of weeks, when I've gotten up here to share what's going on in the life of Eau Claire Wesleyan Church or to welcome you guys, you have been so rowdy. <laughs> and I love it. <laughs> I don't want to stop you because it's beautiful, it's wonderful. And Paul would write in Philippians chapter four, he says, finally, brothers, what, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And I would also argue, talk about those things too. And I watch you guys do that. And it's wonderful. You're being the church together. I'm so proud. I'm so proud to be able to serve alongside of you in that. You see, fellowship produces joy because it's born out of letter C, unity. Turning back a few pages in Philippians uh, to chapter two, verses one through four, Paul writes, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value one another above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each, but each of you to the interest of others. Paul will go on then to talk about the example of Christ and his character. A few years ago, um, as we began connect groups, we, we talked about something called agenda harmony. The concept of, of agenda harmony is that while we may have differences in opinions and preferences, we prioritize harmony for the sake of Christ above those things. This doesn't mean that we won't ever talk about our disagreements or, or we won't ever have them, but we will approach them with grace and love and without accusation, remembering that the person that we're in conflict with is dearly loved by Jesus. There's a, there's a skill that I talk about with couples preparing for marriage uh, that has to do with how, uh, how you fight with your spouse. And this doesn't have to just be a, a, a marriage thing. This is with any conflict. Um, 
but, but doing something like this helps create unity. So I'm just gonna throw this out here as kind of a freebie here this morning. Uh, when, when you're approaching a, a problem, take accusation off take all accusations off the table. It's, it's really easy for us to point the finger and say, you are the problem. But take the accusations off of the table. Uh, remember, uh, there's already one accuser of mankind, that's Satan. Um, he doesn't really need a number two. He's fairly good at his job. It's the only compliment that I'll ever pay him. You love the person that you're in conflict with, right? I mean, it's why you're sitting down to try to resolve the conflict. It's why you're hashing things out. So as you talk about problems outside, talk about them outside of the person. Talk about the feeling. Talk about the, the, the when you did, did this or when this happened, it made me feel. When this happened, it, uh, it, it awakened this thing in me and, and this, is, uh, this is an er uh, thing and this is why it's an er uh, thing for me. Learn to talk about the problem outside of the person not identify them as the, as the problem. But unity is hard-earned. Unity is earned through love, it's earned through grace, and it's also earned through letter D, prayer. Prayer, our direct line, our DM to God who desires good things for his church. Prayer tunes our hearts to God's, it, it, it helps us to see, uh, it sees things more clearly, to see things as they really are. You see, we pray together as an expression of unity. We pray together saying, God, we agree over these things. And we know that Jesus promises that when there is unity and where there's unity, that he is right in the midst of that. In Matthew 18, Jesus talks about uh, when, when, when two or more are gathered in my name and, they're, they're, and they agree on anything, there I am. He's talking about conflict in that passage. But he also shares that when we agree on things, when we come together in agreement, that I'm here with you. And prayer is an expression of that unity. We come together in agreement for what we long to see God do and to express our collective hearts for him. There's so much that I want to say about prayer in this message. Practice it. Cultivate it. It's a why question for another time. It's not going to make it into this series. But I want to encourage you, if you want to know, if you want to know what effective prayer can look like in the life of a local church, she didn't know I was going to do this, but talk to Nancy Olson about what the kids have been doing in Sunday school when it comes to prayer. I've been blown away by our kids praying for our church. And you kids that are in here today, I want you to know that I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of the way that you're inspiring our church, that you're inspiring your leaders. Wow, God is doing amazing things through you guys. Don't quit praying, keep praying praying. Keep leading us in prayer. All right, we got to keep trucking here. I'm going to cry if I don't stop. Like that's anything new, Pastor Damien. All right, we got four more here to get through. Uh, letter E, generosity. The church gives us an, an opportunity to become aware of the needs within our community and within our world. 
And, and whether it's, uh, it's giving support for global missions or giving towards a building project to help steward what God has given us or simply giving a tithe to God, we gather together and it gives us an opportunity to see where we can partner with God in what he's already doing. I got to brag on our, our connect groups here uh, again this morning, which shameless plug, in two weeks we're going to be doing sign-ups uh, for those. But uh, last year, Last year on two different nights, we had two different groups that were meeting, and I was running late for one of them. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was filling in for one of our leaders who was out of town, and I was running late because my intern, Noah, uh, had gotten another flat tire in the middle of February. And being the only person in town whose number he had, he called me for assistance, which of course I'd gladly go and, and, and give that to him. Um, so I rushed out there and made sure that he got the, the tools that he needed and we could swap out the, the spare. But uh, as, I, as I got to my group and I explained what was going on, I explained why I was late, we, we, went, through, we went through our evening of Connect Group. And later that group decided they wanted to buy Noah new tires. Meanwhile, down the street at my house, a group of ladies were meeting, sharing about their week, praying for one another. One of the ladies shared that her son was needing a car and they didn't know where they were gonna get it. And it just so happened that another one of the group members in the group had a car they were looking to sell and worried that they wouldn't be able to find a buyer. So there were needs that were met right there in that moment. You see, God provides for our needs and he uses his people to minister through generosity to one another. It's why in your program today you have a little envelope that says benevolence offering on it. We collect a benevolence offering every month so that when we become aware of needs, we have the resources, we have the means to be able to step in and provide generously as the church. But generosity isn't just a monetary thing. It connects with one another, the other reasons why we gather, and that's service. God has uniquely gifted. This is letter F here. God has uniquely gifted all of us for acts of service, carried out when we come together. Sometimes it looks like pulling weeds in the parking lot. Sometimes it looks like volunteering week in and week out. Sometimes it looks like uh, serving in areas where, where you're not seen, but serving together. I really want to encourage you, ser find, find a place to serve together with other people. You will start to build relationships and build bonds as you grow together and grow the church together. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing. And if you don't know how to serve, if you don't know where to serve, if you don't know how God has uniquely equipped you, I gotta throw it in there again. I wanna challenge you. Come to the network seminar in a couple of weeks. Discover how God has uniquely created you with your temperament, with your skills to build his kingdom. And we do all of this. We do all of this, not for our glory, but letter G, for God's glory. Ultimately, all of this that we do when we gather together is for God's glory. In Acts, it shares how they praised God together. Their lives were living acts of worship on display for all to see. Not as a show, 
but as an example of God's great love for his creation and his desire for relationship with him and his desire for us to be in relationship with one another. And I got to tell you, as we do this, as we do this together, as we pray together, as we fellowship, as, as our generosity and, and, and unity is shown when we're together, there is letter H, a watching world. If you read at the very end of this passage, it says that they enjoyed the favor of all of the people. Their neighbors were watching their strange existence. And they kind of liked it. There are, uh, there are records of, of some, some ancient Roman writings back and forth between some officials talking about the, the sickness that was ravaging this, this area. And, and one of these officials scoffed saying, these Christians, they not only take care of their own poor, they're taking care of ours too. This is ridiculous. But people were watching. People were taking note at their strange existence, their generosity, their love, their care, the community of Christ that was being built up and celebrated. And they liked it so much that daily there were new people that were exploring what it might look like for them to be church too. All right, so we've covered a lot of ground here today. And usually this is the place where I'd give you like a couple of action steps or a couple of questions to ask as you move forward. I don't have those for you today. But what I do have for you is a piece of scripture that I think, that I think really encompasses the next step. And it's found in Hebrews chapter 10. It goes from verse 22 through 25, and it says this. Let us draw near to God with sincere, with sincere hearts and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse, it, to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. So, if this is why we church, if this is why we go to church, if this is why we are the church, why are you here. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for the beautiful thing that you instituted in the church. Thank you for the, the relationships between each other that are meant to encourage and challenge and spur one another on. God, I pray that, uh, that this thing that we do together isn't isn't just something that we go to. It's not just an event. But God, that this is, is something that we anticipate so that we can encourage each other, so that we can pray for one another, so we can be challenged 
together in your word so that we can be generous, so we can serve together, so that, so that we can glorify you and so that we can make you famous in our world. God, you have placed the hope of the world in the local church. God, I, I, pray, that, uh, I pray that as we, as we serve you, as we live together, that we would reflect you and that, that our world would see Jesus in us. Lord, I pray for Eau Claire Wesleyan Church that we would, that these things, these whys, that we would, that we would joyfully participate in them. God, would you be honored by how we church? Lord, as we close here, would you be honored by our songs of praise? We love you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.